Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning this week a beautiful Chassidic discourse from the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called Koi Sevorchu Es Bnei Yisrael. So you should bless the Jewish people. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Shabbos Parshas Nosoi. That year is the 12th day of the month of Sivan in the year Tavshin Memhei 38 years ago. So again, the Chassidic Discourse is based on the verse that says, So you shall bless the Jewish people, and it lists the blessings, and then it says, part of the, in the middle of the blessing, God should elevate His face to you, He should give you the blessing of peace. So it's brought down in the Talmud, and it's and it's brought down obviously in the Chassidic discourses of the previous Rabbeim, and in Lakut Torah from the Alter Rebbe, and Chassidic discourse afterwards, and the same thing in the Chassidic discourse in the Tzemach Tzedek, the Third Chabad Rebbe, and for the Rebbe Marash, etc. So they explain as follows: that um, the angels said to Hashem, it says in the Torah, Asher loyis upon him, that God doesn't show favoritism. And now you're showing favoritism to the Jewish people? Because he says, Yisha Hashem Lecha. Hashem is going to show favoritism. It says in the Torah, you don't show favoritism. So Hashem responded and he says, How could it be that I will not show favoritism to the Jewish people? Why not? Why should I show favoritism? Because in the Torah, what does it say? You'll eat. And you'll be satiated, and then you'll bless God. And the Jewish people are, are very, very careful and very specific that even if they eat the size of an olive or the size of an egg, which is a small amount, and nevertheless they do the grace after meals. So because they go ahead and they're very, very specific, that they're not necessarily savata, they're not necessarily totally satiated, but they ate the size of an olive or the size of an egg, they go ahead and do the grace after meals. So how can I not go ahead and show favorite, <coughs> favoritism to them? So it says in the Talmud. So one second. So the question they ask is, because the Jewish people are specific up to the point of an olive, so therefore God's going to show favoritism? If favoritism is a bad thing and inappropriate, so what that we're careful? And that's why God's going to show favoritism. And the the point that's explained in the Chassidic Discourse is that what is the idea of grace after meals? And as you, you eat, and then you do the grace after meals. Why do we do the grace after meals? Because after you eat, you want to draw down godliness into the world, which comes after we do the spiritual work of eating physical food. So it's not just we eating physical food, we're eating physical food, which is an avoid that spiritual, we're elevating the food, and then by doing the grace after meals, we, drew, we draw down godly energy. And because we're careful to even do the grace after meals, we eat a small amount of an olive. So what happens then is when you draw down the energy through the grace after meals, it's much greater. And that's the idea why it says Yisha Hashem Panavelacha, because we're we're specific in the grace after meals to make the grace after meals even on a small amount. That's why God does show favoritism. So what do we see from here? The power of what? Of materialism, of physicality, eating physical food, and even the size of an olive or the size of an egg. And when you eat that food, we have the power to bring down heavy energy. That's the general idea, which Rebbe is going to explain at length. 
But first, Rebbe starts off, he says, since what we just bring out an important point, the power of materialism, the power of physicality, the power of eating something, and through that we have the power to bring down godly blessings into the world. So Rebbe says he could like to connect this idea of the quality and the power in materialism to connection well with the idea of Matan Torah, which is the holiday of Shavuot. Because Rebbe said this discourse in the 12th of Sivan, which is a week after Shavuos, which is called the days of, of completion of Chagah Shavuos. So it is brought down in, in the Hasidic discourses from the Chabad Rebbeim. And like I mentioned before, and especially in the Hasidic discourse of, of Svartim, of, of Parshba Midbar, and also in the Hasidic discourses of Shavuos, of the year Tavshin Ches, of the previous Rebbe, and... Um, and it's explained in the Chassidic discourse as well of Tse'enu Reno of Chagashuas. And they explain over there as follows. Why when it comes to Matan Torah, so God says when he gave the Torah, I am God, your God. You know who I am? The one that took you out of Egypt. Why doesn't it say, I am God, your God. You know which God? The one that created heaven and earth. Because the fact is creating heaven and earth is creation something from nothing. Which is a much greater miracle and a much greater wonder, wonder than taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. Why is that? Because the miracles that God used to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, so it's something from something. However, when God created heaven and earth, it's something from nothing. So if that's the case, when God says, I am God, your God, why didn't he say, I'm God, your God? Not that God just did something when something took you out of Egypt, but I created heaven and earth. And so, so the Rebbe says, explained at length in the, in, in the, uh, from the Alter Rebbe in Tanya in the section of Shari Yichud Mun in the second chapter, and it's also brought down in different Hasidic discourses, that the creation of something from nothing is much greater than even splitting of the sea when we went out of Egypt. And especially the way it's explained in, in the, uh, the, uh, in, in the Tanya from the Alter Rebbe in Igaris HaKodesh in the 20th chapter, that creating something from nothing, the only one that can do that is Muhusay Vyatsmusay, the essence of God Himself, that has no cause and effect that created Him, etc. So in other words, what do you see? That creating something from nothing is much greater than something from something. But nevertheless, when it wasn't saying the Ten Commandments, you know which God I am, the one that took you out of Egypt, and not the one that created heaven and the earth. And the question is, why is that? So it's brought down, it's explained in the Hasidic discourses, and the, the reason why he says specifically going out of Egypt, because the, the, the advantage and the quality of Martin Torah, what took place when God gave us a Torah? What took place was there was a nullification in the, 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 the decree that up until Martin Torah, God was in heaven and earth was earth and there was a disconnect. But what happened when God gave the Torah, God broke that barrier and by breaking the barrier with, through Martin Torah, God said, guess what? Uh, people down in the most materialistic world can go up on high and the people on high can come down on earth. Like God came down to Mount Sinai and he told Moshe Rabbeinu to come up. So he knows you have the power to elevate the materialistic physical world on, on, a, on, a, on a very high spiritual level and to bring spirituality down to this world. So that's the power of Matan Torah. There was a break that there's no more barrier between higher and lower. Lower gets elevated higher and higher comes down lower. But the Rebbe says, this also we have to understand. The fact is, spirituality is high on a spiritual level, and Gashmi is low, it's materialistic. 
So if that's the case, why is it that something spiritual should come down and something physical should go up? If that's high and that's low, what's the idea of high going down to low and low going down to high? But however, the idea is as follows. This that we're saying, that the physical world gets elevated and it goes to a higher level, that's because that the materialism has a tremendous power over spirituality. Now we look at it, this is, spirituality is higher and physicality is lower. And how does physicality go high and how does, how does high go low? The answer says, no, 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 one second, you're making a mistake. Materialism, physicality, Gashmias is actually higher than Ruchmias. It's higher than something spiritual. Oh, so up until Matan Torah, the way we viewed the world was, that's high, that's spiritual, and that's physical. Comes along the Chiddush, the novel idea of Matan Torah, the revolutionary outlook of Matan Torah is that, no, 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 it's not that materialism is actually higher. And that was revealed in Matan Torah. How, well, and, and, and Matan Torah, we, we came to that revelation that materialism is higher. That came only after we did the work in Egypt. And we left Egypt. And like I was going to explain soon at length, the power of Egypt and leaving Egypt. So therefore, since what happened in Matan Torah, what Matan Torah, what happened was, God broke. There's no more higher, there's no more lower. And not only that, there's no more higher, lower. Actually, we realized the power of materialism that came through what? Coming out of Egypt. So therefore, God says, I am God, you God. You know which God I am. The one that took you out of Egypt. And the one that broke the barrier to show you that this materialist physical world you're in, guess what? This materialist world is actually higher than the spiritual world. And like he explains over there in the Chassidic discourse in the, of the altar of the Kutu Torah, that it says, in the, it says in the verse as follows. It says that Adam called names to all the, the animals and the birds, etc., so what does that mean? He called names to it. What well, he gave it a name. So the author explains, according to Kabbalah, that he actually called and he drew down the names and the different the different combination of the letters of the ten utterances that God used to create to create the world, and he took that out from a concealed place and a revealed place. In other words, that you should be able to see in a revealed state the energy coming from Hashem. So in other words, but. Adam, he called them names. What does that mean? God created them, but he pulled out that godly creation. God used to create it from the, the, the animal that just shouldn't just look at an animal. You should be able to see the, the powerful utterances that created them. And what does that mean? Rebbe explains like this. And like he explains it in that Hasidic discourse. Because the author explains in Shari Yichid from Tanya, in the beginning of Shari Yichid which is actually, Rebbe says, it's the Shia of Chitas of Ashuas, that, um, when God gives something a name on a, on a, in Lashon Kodesh in, in the Holy Tongue, that creates and gives life force and gives energy to everything in the world. So the, the, the name of the create, creation, that's what creates it and gives it life force. So if that's the case, what did the author tell us? That the name created and gives it life force. So what is the whole idea that Adam is calling it names? It had the name by Hashem giving it a name. That's created it. What does it mean Adam gave it a name? Why do you have to call it with the name? And it was before he, Adam called it with the name, it had the name of a behemoth or a chayo or a bird, etc. Because that's what created it and that's what made it happen. So, so what's the whole idea of Adam calling it names? 
So he explains, yeah, it's very simple. That Adam called it names is, that means he called it, he drew out the names that what is the life force and shouldn't be in a concealed state, but should be in a revealed state. In other words, before Adam called it its name, so the names, yes, it created it and maintains it, but it was concealed. And by calling it, it actually brings out the name in a revealed state. One second, we all have to understand. What's the whole idea of revealing the name? Revealing the name, and that's why he brings in, in the in the Hasidic discourse of the Alter and the Kutzit Torah, and that based on the verse it says in the Torah, "Ki loy alalechem levadi yichi adam," that a person when you sit down to eat bread or whatever physical whatever material whatever you're eating, it's not the bread that you're living from, but you're living from ki al kolmoitzei pi Hashem yichi adam. You're living from the godly spark and the godly energy in the food that you're eating. In other words, the godly energy in the food, that's what gives you nourishment. So when you sit down to eat, it's not the food, but it's the godly energy that caused the food to be, and that godly energy gives you the energy. And like the Arizal says, and he explains on, on, on the verse, and he asks us a, a simple question. In other words, Arizal asks a question, why do we humans have to come on to the godly energy in the food? The fact is God created us as well. And what created us? The godly energy. So why do we have to come on to the godly energy in the food? Let's sustain ourselves from the godly energy that God created us. That's what the reason asks. Powerful question. But the answer is, because the godly energy in the food, in this case specifically the bread, but in the food, is much higher than the godly energy in the human being. We think we're, we're the epitome of creation. But I read says, no, the greater energy is in the food versus in us. Why is that? Because there's a rule in Kabbalah that says anything which is higher, when it comes down, it goes down lower. And not only does it go down in a way, it uses the expression on a feel, it falls. It goes down very, very low. So anything which is higher goes down lower. So when you see something lower, it has a higher source. We think we're higher. Guess what? The food we think is lower. But guess what? It came from a higher source. That's why it fell lower. In other words, it's, it's, so it fell and it's much lower than even such a tremendous downgrade. Because it can't even go there. It has to fall there. In other words, obviously it's coming from a very, very high place. And like, to expl- and it's exp- like it's explained, that's the whole idea of the lights of Toyu. I'll say it in Hebrew. The oiros of Toyu, the light of Toyu, that fell down when there was a shattering of vessels. When God initially created the world, too much light, so they shattered the vessels, so the light of the Toyu came down to the lowest places. And like it says, clearly, that God was creating worlds and it was destroying it. It was too much light. And when it fell, it fell much further. Up, like it says, when someone falls from his level, it's, 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 a, it's a tremendous downgrade. In other words, what do you see from here? That the source of the light is much higher in, when it goes down to our lower place. Now, obviously there were certain sparks that, get, that, that, get, that, that fell down, that got transformed. And they got transformed even in the world of Atsilas, which is called, Atsilas, even though it's a very high world, it's already called the world of Tikkun, because the light, the light fits the vessel. Like God says, Dana honey lake. Now, oh, the world of Atsilas, the light fits the vessel, that's good. In other words, so when God created the world, certain things were already fixed from the destruction of Tayu. 
However, there are certain lights that went down much, much lower into the world of Tikkun. In other words, that the lights are, are their source is much, much higher, and we have to do special work to elevate it. Ah, now these lights that were originally much higher, again, crashing down to the lowest level, that is, where is that found? It's not found in us, the words that God used to create us, but it's actually found in the the words and the light that God used to create the, the, the bread, which obviously fell down much lower. So therefore, because it has a much greater power, that's why we have to come on to the bread to give us sustenance, because it has a much great, greater light in it. In other words, these sparks in the bread, which our source is much higher, it actually adds energy and vitality into the human being that eats it. And especially when you eat it, it becomes part of your flesh and your blood, etc., now, so what's our so therefore we have to come on to that. Now, once we consume the bread, we have to elevate the bread. So, on one hand, we're saying is it has a greater light, but if but in, so we so we have to consume it, but we have to elevate it. So, where the question is, where do we have the power and the energy to elevate the holy sparks in the bread? So, obviously, in order to us to do our mission which means to go ahead and consume the bread and elevate those powerful sparks that we said were from Tayu came down to the lowest level. They're sitting in the food waiting to be elevated and we're going to go ahead and elevate it. So we need power to elevate it. Ah, so where do we get the power to elevate it? That's the blessing we make before we eat. And this will change your whole perspective now when you make a blessing before you eat. Why are you making the blessing before you eat? Because since you're going to elevate a spark and a very, very big spark, so you need power to do it. So how do you get the power by making the blessing? In other words, what's a, bl- what's a blessing? A bracha is drawing down energy into yourself. In, in Kabbalah, it's called Yisarus Leila. You're bringing in powerful energy so that you can go ahead and do your work, which is Yisarus Tata, which is elevating the food that you're eating. So that's why we make a blessing before we eat. What happens after you do you so so again the process is you're going to elevate so you first you make the blessing to give yourself power and energy then you elevate the food yeah it means you elevate the spark that's in there so the blessing after the eating which is called the second blessing that is a resource which means we're bringing in heavy light which comes after us doing our work and by do by bring by by bringing making the second blessing that completes the full transformation that the the food gets re reunited with godliness now so again so you see it's almost like a sandwich you start eating, you make a blessing because you're drawing in the light, you should have the power to elevate. Then you elevate it by eating it and having the proper intentions. And then you make the blessing afterwards and then that takes it and you reunites the godly spark that was in the food with godliness. Now, since this is the main power of transforming and elevating the sparks from Toyu, so what happens is, after you again you do the whole process the blessing consuming with the right intention of making the blessing afterwards and then the spark gets included with godliness so then it actually goes in it goes it gets elevated to higher than the world of tick and the part that that, that that transformed it now that's by eating so Reverend goes on to explain as follows just like it applies when someone sits down to eat the same thing that applies to the whole creation of the world in other words, the idea of transforming the lights of Toyu, that was ready from the beginning of creation. 
Like it says in the beginning, God created the world lasses to do. What does that mean to do? To tacking. Our, our job is to fix, to elevate the sparks. And as the ultimate purpose of creation is, is so that we should go ahead and create and fix the world, which means elevate the sparks that are lost. However, this transformation that we did from, from the beginning of creation, that's like transforming the, the food before making the last blessing. In other words, we're busy elevating the sparks. So from the beginning of the creation, we're busy elevating the sparks doing the avoido. But what happened? Then God sent us into Egypt. And we went into exile to Egypt. And we worked very, very hard. Back-breaking labor. It's called avoidus perach. And this working hard in Egypt was only a preparation of, <coughs> of going out of Egypt and transforming the physical world that which took place at the end when we when we came to Mountain Torah. And then we we reached the climax of the of the union between the higher worlds and the lower worlds. In other words, we were able to elevate the sparks of Toyu that were in, 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 ingrained in the materialistic world, that it should be elevated into the spiritual world, which actually comes higher than Tikkun. And that's the Yisarusa the Leila, knows the, the powerful gift that comes afterwards, after we do our, our work. Just like, for example, the, 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 we do the grace after meals, that's what happened in Matan Torah. And that's why it says, I am God, your God, that took you out of Egypt. And it doesn't say that I created heaven and the earth. Why? Even though creating heaven and the earth, yes, God created for the Jewish people and for the Torah, etc. But the purpose and the ultimate purpose of Matan Torah is not just to give us the Torah and give us the gifts of the world, but it's all about transforming the materialistic world that the materialistic physical world should be elevated into a higher sphere. And how did that happen? That happened specifically by going into Egypt and going out of all the constraints and limitations. And that will create an elevation in the world and in the Jewish people and in the Torah for that, and, 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 and for that the world was created for. So based on this, we see that the real power that took place is what? When we went into Egypt and we transformed the world and then we elevated the world to even a higher level. And so based on Shabbat explains beautifully, that's why it says in the Talmud, when God responds and says, How am I not going to go ahead and show favors to the Jewish people? And they're careful even to make the grace after meals, which the grace after meals basically takes what we transformed to the highest level, and they're careful to even elevate something in the size of an olive, or even something the size of an egg. In other words, they go ahead, they make the blessing beforehand, then they do their avoida. But the, the, so once they did, they want to elevate it. They want to elevate that spark. So you would say, "Oh, let me wait. I'll have a full meal, then I'll elevate it." No, I have a little spark, size of an olive, size of an egg. I'm going to do the grace after meals. I'm going to elevate it. And here's something very powerful. The Rebbe as follows: This is the reason that when it comes to to make blessings before you eat, so it doesn't make a difference how much you're eating. You always have to make a blessing before you eat. Like it says clearly in Jewish law. Why is that? Because what's the first blessing for? The first blessing we said is the Isarus Ela. That's the gives us the energy to do our work. So it doesn't make a difference how much you're eating, how much you're not eating, etc. It's all about you need the energy to start the job. And therefore, 
there's no there's no requirement of a certain amount. You want to go ahead and transform the world, you need to make a blessing. A big transformation, a small tra- doesn't make a difference what. You need to make a blessing beforehand. However, when it comes to the blessing afterwards, which is called the Sarusalayla, which comes after us doing a work, so there's a certain requirement. You know, what's the requirement? The achalta. You're going to eat. Well, you're going to eat. You're going to be satiated. Ah, you're satiated. Obeyrachta, now elevate that spark. In other words, it has to do with our avoider. If you just sat and ate and you weren't, you weren't satiated, so you're not ready to elevate it. The, the, when are you ready to elevate it when you're satiated? However, the Jewish people say, no, 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 no. Even though, yes, I should wait till I'm satiated, I have a full load, then I'll go ahead and transform it. I'll, I'll transfer a bunch of sparks together. No, we want to go ahead, we have a little spark, we're going to do the grace after meals. Which in Hebrew it's called doing a hidr mitzvah, we're beautifying the mitzvah. Butch mitzvah of elevating the physical world. And through that we're actually elevating the whole, these sparks up into the highest level. And that's why God says, Yisra Hashem Panavei and that's why God does show favoritism because we realize that there are holy sparks in this world that have to be elevated and even if it's a small spark and we have the power to elevate a small spark we are going to elevate that small spark and that's why the verse continues on to say God's going to give us peace what does that mean? when we do the complete avoid of transformation means we make the blessing we have the energy, then we go ahead and consume something, we transform it, and then we do the grace after meals, we totally elevate it on the highest level. So we, 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 that's how we create the ultimate peace, which is higher than, higher and lower, tayu and tikkun altogether, means we create the ultimate level of peace. And like it's explained in the Igeris HaKodesh from the Alter Rebbe, in reference to peace on high, between different angels and different officers, etc. So it says, God makes peace on the highest levels. And as well as being the highest levels, between the two kingdoms and the two officers, etc. Because this idea of peace is by bringing, how do you create peace? By bringing in even a higher light. And like, for example, when you have officers, when they're in front of the king, they're totally nullified. So by us going ahead and elevating it to a higher level, that's how we create peace. Now, once you create peace, the goal is not to leave it on a high level. The goal is to bring down that peace into this physical world. And that's why they're called officers. They have to go back and bring peace into the world. You know, it's the goal is to be an officer over the world. And you have to bring peace back into the world. So first you create peace on high, and then you bring that peace back into the world. And the same thing also happens on the peace that got affected through Matan Torah. Because what happened through Matan Torah? There's peace on high. In other words, we elevate, there's peace on the highest level. I mean, like God says, I am going to start. And God comes down to Mount Sinai. So from God's perspective, there's peace between the higher and the lower. And that created peace from, on, from our level as well. There not only is there peace between materialism and spirituality, but we, there's a greater peace by unifying the two. In other words, up to the point that the physical part, that looks like the food, gets, get, gets unified with godliness, the ultimate goal is to create diffusion on the two levels. And that's why it says, This is how you should bless them. So the opening of the blessing, of the priestly blessings, are a very powerful insight here. The Rebbe is explaining. It says, this is how you should bless them. And you should, and you, and the end of finish off, you should give them peace. So the, the key word is God says, this is how you should bless them. So the Rebbe says, the word tivarchu 
is a, if you take the letters of the word it's the same letters if you, if you play around with the, with the order of Bikisroi like the crown like it's bring it's brought down in the in the Hasidic discourse of the Ramaz etc which means God wants us to draw down from Kesser from literally the highest level of the spheres the highest the highest level of the sphere of Kesser and so first, the idea is Kaisavarchu. You got to bring it down from Kesser, and then you go down to where you have a which is on a spiritual level. It's the uh, the the idea of Mad, which is Mayan Duchen, female waters, and Man Mayan Nukvim. So the flow from high and then the flow from below, Mayan Mata, from the higher ones and the lower ones, and then you come to Yisar Shem Panavelacha, like we discussed before, elevating higher than Mad and Man when you elevate when you elevate the sparks, and that will create the ultimate peace. And as the ultimate peace and the ultimate oneness until the completion, and this you have at the end, this will bring to the to the to the to, to the full blessing of the Shamu as Bishmi Abnei Yisrael Abnei Yavarachim, and I'll give the uh, the my, my name on the Jewish people, and God will bless them. So Nadav explains that's why it says, "I am God, your God, which God, the one that took you out of Egypt." Why is that? Because the revelation that took place when we went out of Egypt. Had that happen, we had to go ahead beforehand, and we did serious, heavy, heavy, intense work. In other words, first we went down to Egypt. Okay, that itself, we left the land of Israel and went down to the land of Egypt. Egypt, we know spiritually, it's not just a locale, but Egypt, Mitzrayim comes from Mitzrayim Megvulim, limitations, boundaries. So that was the first level. We had to, first we went to Egypt, then we were had the limits and constraints of Egypt. But on the other hand, as long as we know Yosef and his brothers were still alive, the intensity of the of the of the slavery didn't start. But then what happens, unfortunately, when they passed away, as the Torah says, there was a new king that arose. He didn't know Yosef Atzadik. And that's when the intensity of the real enslavement started, with, with backbreaking labor. But on the other hand, going down to Egypt, the limitations and the intensity, what happened after is we left with tremendous wealth. Like it says clearly in the Torah, God says they're going to persecute you, they're going to make you suffer, but then you're going to leave with tremendous wealth. Up to the point that Chazal tells us that the Jewish people said to God, we don't want the wealth. Just don't cause us so much pain and suffering. But nevertheless, God says, no, no, you're going to stay in Egypt. So you see, obviously, there was a reason because God has an intent that we should go through for the ultimate goal of elevating the sparks that were in Egypt. And like it's and, and, and just like when we left Egypt, just like the days when we went to Egypt, we went in to, to, to elevate the sparks that were there. So the reverse the same applies today. That what, the, because unfortunately we were down in exile and we're dealing with the intensity of the, the enslavement of exile, we're ultimately going to come to the great wealth and the great riches and the great redemption what's going to happen when Mashiach comes and um, and what when the, what is that that's the idea of that we're very very specific and we're very careful like we said before even on the level of an olive even level of an egg what does that mean practically it's referring to the mysterious nefesh the self-sacrifice that we have in the times of exile in the times of uh, before Mashiach because the main spiritual work before Mashiach comes is mysterious nefesh self what self-sacrifice and profound represent the self-sacrifice today is al not to be embarrassed for people to make fun the biggest challenge represents in gullus is someone prays 
Wonderful, you study, you do mitzvahs. What's the problem? Someone makes fun of you. Really, you're holy, you're religious. Guess what? And then you start, you're not secure about your Judaism. So the biggest challenge we have in Golis says is when someone makes fun of you. What's our biggest power? You can make fun from today to tomorrow. We're not intimidated. We're still going to learn. We're still going to pray. We're still going to do mitzvahs. But one second, the fact is, this idea of not being embarrassed, it's, it's not a biblical commandment. It's not a, it's not a commandment in the Torah. It's, not, the, it's a, not a negative precept. And even in the Code of Jewish Law, it's brought down in the, in the, um, in the, like, the footnotes of the Ramah, etc., which is basically like a, a way to beautify the mitzvahs. And that's what we accept upon, our, accept, accept upon ourselves. It, it's not obligated on, on that level. But nevertheless, we go on a serious nefesh, even on a small amount. No, we're not embarrassed from anyone or anything. And that's in terms of even doing like making the grace after meals even on an olive or an egg but on the spiritual level in other words the spiritual work of not to be embarrassed of anybody is that's the idea that we're, 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 we, we, we make sure to be specific that even we don't care what we're going to follow Hashem learn, pray, do mitzvahs on any level why is that? because the idea of positive commandments and negative commandments which is in the Torah that's commandments that we should do or you shouldn't do However, the, the spiritual work of not to be embarrassed, it's not a commandment from God, but that's our avoida. That's what we took upon ourselves. That's the part that we added to it. In other words, the commandments come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But al Yevoish, that's something I took upon myself. I'm not going to be intimidated. That's my work. In other words, as we see the Rebbe says, in the times of the Talmud and the Mishnah, etc., this idea of not being embarrassed wasn't really a big, a big issue then. That wasn't the big challenge they had then. But specifically, unfortunately, in the times of Gullus, the main avoider today is not to be embarrassed. What this one's going to say, what that one's going to do, everyone's doing this. Guess what? Everyone can do whatever they want. We follow Hashem. Me Hashem alai. But when we go ahead and we're not intimidated, then you know what happens? God says, Yisa Hashem That's when God shows favoritism. God shows favoritism when we're strong and we're not intimidated. In other words, we're not embarrassed from what people say. <clears throat> and not only we're not embarrassed, that actually affects the ones that are making fun of us. And like it says clearly, in reference to, to uh, Tefillin, it says, the role called Amiyaritz, all that when you wear Tefillin, when you're doing a mitzvah, the whole na- all the nations are going to see that the name of God is on you, and they're going to be in awe of you. In other words, even though this applies only to Tefillin, but Rebbe says, no, 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 we know the whole Torah is compared to Tefillin. So what does that mean? It, it, that when we do any mitzvah, and we do it with, 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 with uh, strength, and we're, we're, we're secure about ourselves, we literally transform those that, are against, that, that make fun. And what happens is, eventually, all the nations of the world are going to be serving us, and serving Hashem, even when, in the time of Golos, if we do the avoid of Golos, which basically means not to be embarrassed, not to be concerned with what anyone says or anyone uh, thinks. And what happens is when we do our avodah, we draw down sevarchu, which is the letters of keser. In other words, we draw down the sphere of keser up till we have the ultimate blessing, where it says that God's going to put the name on the Jewish people, Vani Abarachim. In other words, we get the blessing directly from Hashem. Now, 
Obviously, there's two insights to what does it mean Hashem is blessing us. So I, one, one position is Hashem blesses us directly. But even according to the, 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 the translation that God blesses the priest, but the fact that's what all priests the Rebbe says. As it says in the Torah clearly, the Atem Tioli, Mamlechem Kodesh. There are specific priests that serve in the temple. But in the spiritual level, every one of us is a priest. We're a, we're a kingdom of priests. And, the, and therefore, we receive the blessing on all levels. What kind of blessing on all levels of children, um, life, health, uh, sustenance, abundance, up to the main blessing, the blessing of the true redemption, the complete redemption through through, through uh, the King David, the King David Mashiach, which is connected with Moshe Rabbeinu. As we know, Moshe Rabbeinu was the first redeemer, and he's going to be the last redeemer. And especially when we go ahead and we spread the wellsprings of the Balshemto, like we're doing now, we're learning Chassidus. We're spreading the building of Balshemto all over the world, and by learning Torah and spreading Chassidus, that's what will cause Mashiach to come. And especially. When we, when we, we share the teaching of the Tov in a way of the Spanish where it's explained, it's understood through the teachings of Chassidus of Chabad, because we know that the Chassidus of Chabad has a, a full-blown expansion explanation in the Torah and the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, not only an explanation, but it actually has more details, etc., and, and revolutionary explanations off the charts. And when a person is busy with spreading Chassidus, now in exile, we come to the greatest blessing of this parsha. Nasayas rage. God elevates the head. In other words, elevating the head. In other words, not only you pick up your feet, your feet and your body, but literally your head gets elevated. And like it says, Yisra Hashem Pana Belacha. God's going to elevate our our our, um, our our face, which is basically we're, we're bringing it to the to the high level, higher than Al Yoyim V'Tachtoinim, even higher. Now, even though this perverse Nasei Israel is speaking about the tribe of Levi, but the fact is, Rebbe says, all Jewish people are connected to Levi. Like the Ramam says clearly, that every single person that wants to dedicate himself, you can become like the Shevet Levi. And from once we come to Nasei Israel, Rebbe showering our blessings, we'll come to the love of the we're going to elevate the candles, we're going to light the candle in the base of Migdash, the third temple through Aaron the priest. Like it says clearly in the prophets, that we're going to see Aaron Akoyin lighting the menorah in the base of Migdash with our children, with the elders, with our children and the daughters and the sons, etc. And this revelation is going to affect not only for the Jewish people, but also the whole world. And that's the ultimate purpose of the menorah in the base of Migdash, because we know the purpose of the light was to bring out light to the whole world. And we fulfilled the, fulfill the verse that says, Yeroyelakim Betsiyon, we're going to see Hashem in Sion. When is that going to happen? Very, very soon, very, very quickly. And we're going to go with the clouds of glory, literally in our time, they're always finished up beautifully, we're going to go with joy and with gladness of heart. So here we have, again, another beautiful, powerful Hasidic discourse in the Rebbe, the power of the, of the, of the priestly blessings, but really the power to show us that all the blessings come down by us making a blessing, elevating the world, making the blessing afterwards, of being not being intimidated by the world, and, and, and learning Torah, praying, doing mitzvahs, spreading chassidus, we will all be blessed, and ultimately the says we'll have the ultimate blessing of Mashiach coming, and the next class will be together all in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Have a great and blessed week. Shavua Tov.